Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So Matthew chapter 12, Jesus had performed a miracle, and the religious leaders, jealous and angry, immediately go on the offensive, and they attribute the power of God that delivered a demonized man to the power of Beelzebub, a pagan god representing the devil in this argument. Now their words were foolish, and as religious leaders, they knew the law and meticulously tried to keep it. However, their behavior violated that godliness they professed to have. And many times they would say things, you're just going, what? And I believe it's important to understand that God has given us his word, his Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters in the faith to build us up spiritually and more so that we can grow in Christ and understand the things of God better. I've grown in my relationship with Jesus over the years and I still have to fall back on the basic principles and commands of the Word so that I may stay on that narrow and difficult path that leads to life. And taking the Scriptures seriously moves us closer to Jesus. Trying to reinterpret the Scriptures or minimize them, it puts our relationship with the Lord in reverse. So in this passage, the message is that your mouth reveals what is truly in your heart, and that is scary. The issue with the religious leaders is that they were jealous of Jesus. Matthew 27, 18, for he, that's Governor Pontius Pilate, knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Proverbs 27, 4, wrath is cruel, anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? The Israelites have continually rejected their God as their king, and that's their history. And many of their words throughout the scriptures reveal how many had hearts that didn't regard God, rather they were in it for themselves. And there are many examples, especially in the New Testament, where the Jews said things that not only reveal their own hardened hearts toward God, but also may help to understand their history after the resurrection. So in the above passage, they attribute the miraculous event performed by Jesus to the devil, and their words revealed their unbelief, their ignorance, and disregard for the truth. And like so many people today, unbelief, ignorance, and disregard for truth puts them at odds with anyone seeking the truth or those claiming the truth of the scriptures, provided it's within the context and not warped into an agenda like some are in the habit of doing. But using the Jewish leaders as our example and understanding that they represent a much broader group of people who simply refuse to believe, let's look at a few things they said that probably won't go well with them when they're standing before the Lord. John nineteen fifteen. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Ouch. They were right. God, who was supposed to be their king from the beginning, was removed from his throne of their hearts long before this time. And all the way back in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 7, And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. So we see that this was not anything new. They had rejected God as their king long before Jesus came along. Matthew twenty-seven twenty-four. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hand before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And the people answered, His blood be upon us and our children. Ouch, that can open up a very interesting discussion, which incidentally, when you look at it, could also mean that his blood saved us and our children too, when they came to faith. And we know that in 
the book of Acts, it says a great number of the priests came to faith. But just saying his blood be on us and our children with their history after the resurrection kind of makes you wonder. So we need to really choose our words carefully, especially when you're talking about Jesus. Jesus writes a letter to a church located in the city of Thyatira. It's in the book of Revelation chapter 2. And this church, like others he wrote to in chapter 2 and 3, had some people in the church that were evil and spreading their evil. And Jesus says in Revelation 2.23, And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. And he's writing this to a church. These are people claiming to be followers of him, and he has some pretty harsh words for them. And notice he says of himself that he's the one who searches the mind and heart. Now, going back to Matthew 12, verse 34, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Not only does he know what we say, but also he knows what we think and what we harbor in our hearts. So if I have a filthy mouth, then I know that I have a filthy heart. And a filthy heart is not something he accepts. On the contrary, Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Our hearts need to be broken from our wickedness. And that's what Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what that means. Being poor in spirit means we recognize our spiritual depravity without God, and it keeps things in perspective. And we also realize it's not our outward appearance or ability to come off as a good person. It's our inner person that God looks at. And our mouths reveal our inner self, and we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to run our show. In James chapter 3, verse 3, he says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So paying attention to what we say is important because we can start criticizing people and really not even know it. And I have to constantly, while in conversations, tell myself not to say a word when the topic turns toxic. Because I want to. I want to criticize people. I know that about myself, and that's my flesh speaking, not the Spirit. So in addition to all the other things the Bible calls the works of the flesh, letting loose our thoughts when it's not going to do any good can be just as wicked as those other things identified as sin. we got to be careful. Ephesians 2 verse 1, And you were dead in trespasses and sin, meaning spiritually dead. Our spirit was not connected with the Holy Spirit yet. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, that's another name for the devil, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved." That's a passage in the Bible we want to underline. It just gives the whole picture very accurately. We were once like everybody else. We're no different than anybody else. 
We were dead in trespasses and sin. We didn't have a relationship with God, and we were following the prince of the power of the air. That's, again, another name for the devil. And like First John says in chapter 5, that the whole world is under the sway of the wicked one. And I know that one. I was totally there because I once lived in the passion of my flesh, caring about the desires of the body and the mind. I wanted to do something, I would do it. Didn't care. And then it blew up my face and I'm like, you know, oh man, that was dumb. But God being rich in his mercy because he loved me as he loves you, well, he saved us. By grace, we've been saved. His grace, getting good things we don't deserve. Salvation is something we don't deserve. It's something given freely. So evaluating our own life in Christ It should be a continual thing. And we can expect to go through some seasons of difficulty and frustration, times where our faith is failing, etc. Those seasons happen. And rather than living in denial, take it to Jesus. Be honest with him. Lord, I'm having a hard time believing your word right now. That's not an insult to God. That's being honest. He already knows it anyway. But if we truly have faith, even a tiny bit of faith, we can come to the Lord and we know that he is going to hear us because we come to him according to his will. And it's his will that we not walk around not believing. It's his will that we walk around in victory, not being defeated. It's his will that we grow. So all of those things that we know, that's what God wants for us. That's what we should be praying for. And when we grow in our faith, then we can see our lives change. So resist those opportunities to vent the things that are in your heart. We need to concentrate on keeping our mouths shut. There's a time to speak up and there's a time to do it appropriately. But there's also a time when we let our mouths run and We walk away from that and we look like idiots and we blow our witness. So trust in Jesus, trust in his word, read it and live it. And you'll see the peace of God that passes all understanding. Guard your heart and your mind because that's what Jesus searches. So we need that peace. We need that love. We need that presence of God's spirit in us. And then things just seem to get ironed out. Thank you.